Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame Movie Podcast. Listen to Matt Levy and Mark Rossi as they put their cinema studies degrees to good use and induct the best movies of all time into their own Hall of Fame. With no further ado, roll the camera. Hey guys, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Hall of Fame movie podcast. We are back here another week with some excellent movie takes for you guys. I am Matt Levy, and I am joined as always by Mark Rossi. How are you, Mark? I'm doing great. It looks like we're we're diverging off the path again today, though. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes something takes over us and we decide, hey, this sounds fun. This sounds trendy. This sounds like, you know, sometimes we're inspired. And that's what it was this week, Mark. Yeah, there's something about, I, I think this, I think there's been something with like looking at the creative process has been like something in, in a lot of different pieces of content. Like I just wrapped up watching the Beatles documentary. It was like really just fascinated by the creative process. So that kind of ties into to one of the, the, the pieces we'll be talking about today. And I'll, I'll jump back with that as I watched over the weekend, the queen special on Disney plus, which okay. is also a lot of, it's not behind the scenes. It's a lot of people just honoring and tributing uh queen but i do want to see the disney plus Beatles special i heard it's incredible you know peter jackson i don't know how he directed it because it's not really yeah. like you're directing it's just i guess directing the footage being cut yeah it's it's surprisingly engaging for basically eight hours of the beatles primarily just sitting around in a studio just jamming and trying to piece together material yeah no that sounds really cool so to following this this musical conversation we're talking about you know mark i think you and me kind of came together and said this seems like the year of movie musicals because we have the three we're going to talk about and then we have the biggest one that's coming out right now it seems like it's the steven spielberg west side story which is gonna i think take critics and audiences by storm it's already getting incredible reviews it seems like the year of movie musicals doesn't it it really does seem that way, which is which is interesting that it's it's coming back now when we kind of needed it. Broadway was was dark for a long time, so especially when the first one of the year came out in the Heights, that was like right smack in the middle of Broadway being dark for a long time. So for that movie to come out when it did was definitely I think just something that specifically like theater loving fans needed in in the time during this pandemic. But not only that, and I do agree with you, I feel like movie musicals were not always, didn't always get the best rap. I feel like sometimes they didn't, right. sometimes they didn't have the right creative you know, juices or minds behind them. And there have been a few over the years where they've taken a Broadway show and adapted it. And some were more successful than others. And I feel like this year, you and me will talk into it, but I feel like for the most part, they, they got it right. Yeah, I think the, there was good and bad with some of them, like in The Lame Is, you had Anne Hathaway's great performance, and then you also had Russell Crowe. You had Eddie Redmayne's great performance in there as well, but it, 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 there's been like kind of a, a mixed bag there. And then you had Cats. So people were down on movie musicals, I think, for justifiable reasons. Yeah, I would but, think, I would also comes to mind, besides those two, is uh, Rent which right. is, you know, came out, I think, over a decade ago now, the movie musical, and then also... Yeah, that Mom- was like 05. Yeah, that was quite a while ago. And then you also have Mamma Mia, you know, the Meryl Streep mm-hmm. movies, which right. also, you know, mixed opinions on some of the talent in that. So, yeah, I think it's interesting to talk about now 
We'll talk about, let's start with the first one, Mark, which you mentioned, In the Heights, which, like you said, came out sort of at an appropriate time because things were still kind of shut down and people were hesitant to go see it in theaters. So this was something you could actually see at home streaming. And for people that don't know, In the Heights is a musical with music. And this is a Lin-Manuel Miranda jam. But this is this very much feels like a Lin-Manuel Miranda show through and through. And this one yeah. was directed by John Chu. What are your thoughts and feelings on? Well, first off, what were your prior experiences to the show? So I was familiar with the show. I hadn't gotten to see it live, but I'd seen like a bootleg of it, familiar with the soundtrack. Uh, I went into like a deep dive of that show after seeing Hamilton being like a very much on the Lin-Manuel Miranda train and the hype train at that time. He's kind of like the going to be the through line of this entire uh, podcast. And he's been like the hero for most theater loving people during the pandemic again when broadway was dark and people didn't have that outlet you had hamilton uh, on disney plus released in july of last year and then you have in the heights which was like his baby that was the musical he started working on when he was in college like i was familiar with the backstory and obviously you had mentioned john m chu directed it of crazy rich asians fame there so i was interested to see what his vision would be for the world of Washington Heights and in the Heights and how you know it would translate to a pretty traditional type of musical and I thought he did a great job the the world feels like vibrant Anthony Ramos is a revelation in the lead role as his Navi the musical numbers are great the opening number itself just kind of just sets the pace it's it's they did a, a phenomenal job there were like some cuts they made here and there for storytelling purposes. Some things don't translate as well on film as they did on stage. So there are a few parts that were trimmed and numbers that were cut, but I didn't really have an issue with the numbers that they cut from the musical. For the most part, I think all of the actors that they picked did a really great job. They have some actual chops as far as singing, which is nice uh, with the issues that most people had with a lot of the adaptations previously like we were kind of going over were it was actors that were kind of just cast for name recognition rather than their ability to sing the parts that they were you know cast for so uh, that's something i appreciated but w between the 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 titular in the heights number that opens the film 96000 was fantastic they there are just so many memorable numbers it's a great show and i think they did a, a really phenomenal job with the adaptation yeah i'm i'm right there with you mark this kind of took me by storm and the show in the heights to me has always been i feel like lin-manuel might have been inspired by rent because there is some comparison oh, there's definitely some influence there yeah there's some also influence i think from do the right thing the spike lee movie as far as yeah just the setting, the scenario, the hot days, some of the interactions. And I just felt like even though it's not a musical, I feel like there's definitely influence and inspiration from some of those things. I originally saw the show in a community theater and it was a very, oh, nice. very, very weak production. So seeing it now with very good talent and seeing it on a body, saw it on a quote unquote big screen in my house. I, I really enjoyed this. I was blown away by it. And like you said, Usnavi, the, the actor there, fantastic. I thought the two leading ladies, they blew me away. Leslie Grace, who played yeah. Nina, she's mm -hmm. actually did so well in this that they cast her in, as Batgirl, the new Batgirl movie coming out right. at HBO Max. So 
this was a good launching point for her. And then Melissa Barrera, who played Vanessa, I also thought was equally as spectacular. These two ladies, talented as far as acting, singing, dancing, I was really impressed by both of them. But this was like a full ensemble, big show-stopping numbers, like you said. It's a story that's easy enough to follow and relate to. And I think being New Yorkers, there's a little extra attachment that Yumi might have to some of the setting right. and, and story. Definitely. There are, there are some lines in the, the show that are very New York central. They give directions that you would definitely uh, be more likely to understand if you've ridden on the transit system like the MTA in the city. And there's like one line in particular that always like sticks with me is during like Nina's big number, Breathe, which is just like, just, just me and the GWB. And I remember watching the movie in like a watch party with people that were not from New York. And they're like, what is the GWB? I'm like, oh, this is George Washington Bridge. I don't know why I assumed that you would know what that was. So <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have a different connection with it. And I think we were, we're always going to be more likely to get into it a little more easily since you have that familiarity with the look and the feel of... I've been to like Washington Heights a couple of times. So like it felt authentically like Washington Heights. They filmed on location. You had a bunch of extras that were from not only the original Broadway cast, but you had extras that were from the area of Washington Heights. Like they made a point of doing that. So having that feel authentically like New York and not like, oh, that's Toronto and that's not New York, I think definitely helps you get into the world a little bit easier as a snobby New Yorker. Yeah, I think there's that added layer of authenticity that right. outsiders would probably say, oh, that's New York, sure. But mm -hmm. when people like you and I, who either have friends or have been there ourselves and have spent any time there, there was a feeling for it felt like this time, this place, it felt real. So I definitely appreciated all of that. And I just, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the acting, the music. This is what yeah. I wanted from a movie musical of a show that I don't know all that well. So maybe I didn't have too much attachment mm -hmm. where you know i feel like sometimes if you go to see like les mis and some people are like huge les mis fans and you go to see the movie you might have beef you might have problems with things that they might have changed or adapted right because you and i didn't have the biggest in-depth maybe in knowledge and attachment maybe we were able to enjoy it more than the norm the, the, the hardcore fan mark Right, that's possible. I, I think that's definitely a good point. But I think what's also great about this movie and the way that it ended up being released after the Hamilton on Disney Plus is that you can see the bones here in some of the numbers, like the musical motifs that carried over into Hamilton, which I always think is interesting from like a musical and a creative standpoint to, to kind of observe. Yeah, that's something we'll definitely talk about as we talk about some of the, the, the next couple movies we're going to talk about. All of it yeah. ties together, baby. All of it, it ties does, together. But you're right. You know, you can listen to most musical geniuses and find through lines in their in their work. And I don't think that's a knock. Right. I think that's they have a certain style, a certain feel. And that's it's that's brilliance that you can find that creative strings. And sometimes here you can see, like you said, the bones the structure became something bigger, which obviously is Hamilton. So yeah, In the Heights, I thought it was a solid movie. I think anyone who hasn't watched it, I think it's a, a really good watch. I think it, it, it's it's very much still relevant and relatable. And yeah. it's, it's a new movie, but this was supposed to, it did take place in the yeah. 2000s, right? Yeah, in the 2000s, they did update it. So there were some things they changed and updated to make it current in 2020. So it, it does take place now current time it's not a period piece of like the early 2000s or anything like that but yeah it's 
it's such an easy watch to me. Like, even though it's a little long, I don't think it feels like it drags. There's some great numbers there. And again, if someone's watched, like, you know, Hamilton on Disney Plus recently, listen to 96,000 and then think of nonstop. Because you could see, like, 96,000 yeah. eventually becomes nonstop. And they're both, like, phenomenal in their own ways. But you can just see it's like, oh, this led to that. Yeah, it's it's really impressive when you can do that musically. And I think you have a very good ear for that. But I still think the average person could probably listen to some of these numbers in Hamilton and, and draw the comparisons. Oh, definitely. You can you can hear where this became was allowed what allowed him to to be able to make something like nonstop. It's just like, oh, this is how he figured out overlapping the, the vocals and bringing everything in, reprising everything. So the next one that we want to talk about, Mark, is one that I know is extremely near and dear to you. And that is Dear Evan Hansen that just came out, I think, about a month or two ago in theaters back in September. Yes, sir. Directed by Stephen. I'm going to mispronounce his last name. Is it Spotsky? I think it is. C-H-B-O-S-K-Y. So I'm going to guess. I think it's Shabosky. Shabosky. Now, he also directed Perks of Being a Wallflower. He also directed... The writer, right. Yeah, he, and then he also wrote, helped write the movie screenplay for Rent, Perks of Being a Wallflower as well, and 2017's live adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. So he right. has some writing experience and a couple directing credits. And I wanted to know first, Mark, let's refresh the audience on your experience with Dear Evan Hansen. So this is a show that, of the three, by far is most familiar with. I saw it like early in its Broadway run. I had seen a few different shows, and obviously I'd seen Pitch Perfect, so I saw, oh, the the guy, the magician from, from Pitch Perfect is in a musical on Broadway? That's interesting. And then I saw like a bunch of really great reviews. They're like, this is one of the best performances we've seen in decades. I'm like, okay, I have to see this thing. And I saw, I saw it like purchase tickets last second on StubHub and it was floored just by the performance immediately afterwards and then I just kept going back with like different people and I, I saw it as many times as possible while Ben Platt was still in the the titular Evan Hansen role I think I saw it with him in it seven times and wow. then I've seen it once since I, I still went back and I plan on going again to see it when it reopens soon since it's about to reopen on Broadway this month so uh, yeah, so I, I love the material. I love the music, the score, the story, and obviously big big Ben Platt fan as well. So I didn't have the attachment you had. I, I was familiar with the soundtrack. Right. People told me how good the show was. I didn't get an opportunity to see it. But I want to ask you, Marcus, being that you had such a a love for the the stage adaptation, this the original mm-hmm. musical, did you was there any hesitation going to see the movie that you thought this might ruin it for me. I might not like it. Was there any worry in your mind? Oh, it's definitely a worry about that, right? Anytime you have something that you you revere and that you have near and dear to you, have it jumping from one medium to another, there's always the concern that something isn't going to translate right or the person that's at, like adapting it isn't going to be able to convey this thing that really really stuck with you or resonated with you when you saw the original performance on stage. So there was definitely a lot of, I don't even want to say hesitancy, but you were like slightly nervous. Cautiously optimistic. I guess anxiety, (laughs) which really feels appropriate given the source material. But yeah, there was like slight, there's slight anxiety about how it was going to be like certain 
numbers and topics within the uh, the story were going to be handled and i think i think they did a, a good job with the film i know it's been kind of controversial for multiple different reasons and it was I'd say critically panned would be an accurate description. But I felt like most of the criticism that you see from the people that have criticized it has been that they just didn't like Ben Platt being a high school senior. They're like, oh, he, I don't buy him as a high school senior, and so I'm just going to poo-poo on everything. But that doesn't really work for me. Yeah, I think the most common complaint in the reviews I read was one, yes, Ben Platt looked too old for the role, which for me, I completely disagree. I've seen countless and countless and countless high school and college movies with people in their 30s and you can go back to the original big musical Grease and right. you can you could say all of them were way over the appropriate age so I, that didn't take me out of it at all I, I knew kids my age growing up when I was in high school that looked just like him or, or looked older so that didn't right. bother me the other complaint was that certain plot elements didn't translate as well into a movie and that might be the one thing that now I've never seen it on stage but mm -hmm. certain characters and plot elements frustrated me that I don't know they would have frustrated me. They didn't feel as fleshed out or three-dimensional in a movie. Mm -hmm. Maybe on a stage or in a play, you can say, ah, oh, well, they only have so much time on stage and, and it's a musical that you give right. it, that you kind of give it the benefit of the doubt. So I don't know if, if that's anything that, that you felt. They they changed a couple things. I felt like it, it was it's still a faithful adaptation of the source material. It gets across all the themes and the the numbers that you want to make sure that you preserve but i think some of some of the character development for the mothers suffered between the two adaptations there and the other one is that the connor role gets really trimmed down in the film so that feels a little flimsy at the expense of that though you really flesh out the alana beck character uh, a lot more Zoe gets a little Zoe Murphy gets a little bit of a change there as well where you get a so little So just to refresh Zoe is the sister of Connor right. correct? correct and Alana was is she the one that's the head of the the, the charity they're, they're she's kind of in charge of right that? she's a student body president she's right. the overachiever she right. has the new mus the new musical number for this movie called the anonymous ones yeah, she they they really expanded on her character and the relationship between her and Evan and why they come together. So that gets a, a really nice flesh flesh out of, of that relationship so that it makes more sense uh, because they give that a little more time and attention. But as a result of again changes that you have to make to make it work as a film versus as a stage musical, is that the the mother the two mother roles end up kind of getting pushed back a little bit. So, Mark, my feelings on this movie, and I had no prior... I just knew the, the film based right. on the music. So I knew it was about anxieties and stress and people dealing with depression and suicide. And I knew going into it, the themes of the movie, the, the show, the movie, the story. Right. But I didn't really know that some of the beats and some of the details. So watching this, I agree 100% that I was frustrated by both Julianne Moore and Amy Adams' mother characters. I didn't know if I liked their portrayal or how it was written or directed for them, but mm -hmm. those characters frustrated me. And also the the friend, I think you said her name is Alana. Mm -hmm. I thought I liked how they bonded. I liked how they took a walk together and discussed how you're not the only one like this. There's a lot of people like this in the world. And right. I deal with these things too. Even though I might not show it on the outside, 
And I really liked, like you said, their bond and the way they become friends, even though it's like a shocking, startling thing that how could these two people be friends? Right. But I didn't like some of the, her, what her character did later on in the movie. I didn't know mm-hmm. if it, it didn't work or wasn't believable for me. So there were some frustrating things about the plot. Mm-hmm. But that didn't take away from me the joy of this show, which is, I think this is an important topic to discuss. I think this is so much, such a relevant story to talk about in 2021. Right. Because there are so many people dealing with things like this on a day basis, anxiety, stress, social anxieties, depression. I mean, it's more common than you think. I think you can take a room of 20 people and find the majority of people have dealt with these things in their life. And then also just the gorgeous music. I mean, the music is even better than people say. And what you can do with a movie is you can probably have, have Ben Platt record these songs 10, 20 different times till it's the best he's ever sounded. And he does sound unbelievable. Some of the recordings and harmonies that they get in some of these numbers are, are absolutely wonderful. And and my favorite character, which you hit on before, is the sister, Zoe. You see a full range of her emotions right. as she deals with the death of her brother and meeting of Evan. And she goes through anger through and th- all the way through at the end finding peace but there's so much that her character goes through and you see that in this movie and i absolutely right. loved her character i feel like her character did the best job of showing the emotions that people go through i completely agree with you i think caitlin deaver did a, a phenomenal job as zoe she really captures like the essence of it um and makes the character her own it's not like a, a paint by numbers recreation of the way that laura dreyfus had done it on on broadway so that i appreciate is that there's different different ticks different emotional beats that she processes differently in her portrayal versus how i had seen it previously on stage even the way that ben platt approaches the character and some of the musical numbers differs on film versus stage because you're recording on mics here but you don't have to get to the back of the bout like the back seats of the balcony so you're not belting it out quite as the same way that he had for the show that he was doing eight times a week but what really stands out with this movie versus the other movies that you'll see is that there's a balance right as far as the performances because if you don't do the live performances you can end up with emma watson in beauty and the beast but if you do only live performances you end up with the sometimes garbled mess that was les mis right you have some great performances and some that are just like you should have done another couple takes what was nice about this one i think is that they just they had ben platt do as many live performances as possible there were a couple numbers where other cast members were clearly recorded but not live but you can tell that for most of his numbers these were live performances there and it's as close as you're going to get to having an immortalized version of the stage musical but in film form so for me as a fan of the show uh on broadway i think this is like the best of both worlds there because you get the the film feel for it there but you still have the live performance where you you get to hear that raw emotion in his voice in so many of the important numbers like you'll be found and then the big number at the end where it's there's the big reveal called words fail like you can't convey that properly if you have them try to recreate that in a studio session that's something that has to be done live in order for it to hit you with that emotional gut punch that it needs. So the other thing that the movie can do 
that when Ben Platt's at the dinner table with the family telling them this, the, the, the explorations he went on with Connor and he's right, creating right, this whole forever. image. Right. Yeah, and you, you get these flashbacks, we call them, but they're not real. They're imaginary flashbacks of him right. running, climbing a tree, doing all these different things, which I don't know how that's done on stage. I don't know if you're just watching Ben Platt sing or if they're reenacting these things with Connor, if you're actually watching these things happen. But a movie can, can create these visions that you obviously mm. can't do on stage. You could do more things with special effects. Right, right. It's so it's that's the beauty of film is that you can you can show instead of having them just tell you because that's a challenging number for many different reasons. For Forever is I think one of the most challenging numbers of Dear Evan Hansen. It makes it one of the more challenging vocal roles because of the range that it goes to, including a flip into falsetto. But then on top of that, because on stage you don't have flashbacks that are available and you're not they don't you spoiler for people that haven't seen it on stage they don't have like a projector showing him running and throughout throughout a forest you ha it's it's all on the actor to portray like that they're recreating this and they have this vivid memory of this great day that they had together and they just have to get it out to this family so it's all in their portrayal and their their emotions on their face and the different physical types of, of tics and, and everything like that to portray it. So the film allows you to gather all of that a lot more easily. And I think all that was very impactful. This was an emotional movie. I think there were several parts that got me the waterworks going and the, some of the parent-kid moments and even... Oh, those, are the, those always hit, yeah. Those always hit, and then also finding, which, you know, spoiler, if you want to skip ahead 30 seconds, finding out that he didn't fall off the tree. Right. You know, the way that song, and the way that's explained between him and his mother, it's, that's, it's really hard to, to listen to someone come to truth with this, with themselves. Right. They're almost lying it's, to themselves private, you know, previously. Exactly. So that was, I thought it was very impactful. Uh, all the emotional beats, the music, what makes the show, I think, very popular. I think all that translated well is the music, the emotional beats, those things. I think what I've been told is great about the show. I think that was successful in the movie adaptation. And my favorite part is they had a whole conversation about gluten free pie in the movie, which they, they didn't yeah. dismiss it, but I still enjoy it when it's discussed. Yeah, I thought, was, I thought was, uh, <laughs> that was well adapted. So they, they did that's in the musical but different i think the way that they tweaked that for the the film was so so perfectly done and the way that it's acted between ben platt and caitlin deaver is very endearing yeah uh, absolutely but the music's always going to do pretty well we saw in in greatest showman right i i thoroughly enjoy that movie and i'll even admit though at the jump it's not a great movie but the music is so good because Pasch and Paul make phenomenal music, right? They people have already liked them and were familiar with them because of the lyrical work they did on La La Land. So, like, it's Pasch and Paul music there. It's Ben Platt who is one of the premier talents out there from a vocal perspective and also from a, a performative perspective. There, just like seeing the depths that he he goes down to when he hits rock bottom, I I just I can't see anyone else giving you a better portrayal of that, both through song and also just through his like acting performance of feeling super duper low uh, yeah. and justifiably for you know doing some terrible things, even albeit with the best of intentions. Yeah, his some of his mannerisms I was really impressed by because 
people talk about his vocal talent and you can watch a YouTube video of any of his performances and they're all spectacular, but I really enjoyed some of his little tics and mannerisms and social anxieties and right. that's acting and that's, that's phenomenal. And I really believed that this was someone really going through these things. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I'm glad that they kept the actor that made the popular, made the role popular on stage. I'm glad that they gave him the opportunity to make it famous in a movie as well. Right. Uh, I I just think he has such a, a knowledge of the character. He'd been with the character from workshop stages through out-of-town tryouts in Washington, D.C., off-Broadway, on-Broadway. Like, he's lived that role for so long that he has such a familiarity with it that I just... There are lots of great, talented people out there, but I can't imagine anyone else having the ability to just kind of slip into that role and be able to get this movie out here as as quickly as they could because I don't think anyone else could do all the prep work and and have it ready to go as quickly as he had it. Yeah, I'm sure after all of his experience, he probably just snapped his fingers and was able to get back into the role, into the vocals, into the I'm sure some dialogue was changed, but either way, right. I'm sure it was like riding a bike. Right. No, absolutely. From my understanding, I think on the first day of shooting, they did one of like the heaviest numbers of the of the musical. They did they did words fail that like big confessional of him being that they weren't actually friends and that he wrote the note. the The story went that like there were people that were unfamiliar with the source material in the crew the the crew specifically, and there were like people like crying behind cameras while Ben Platt was openly weeping while singing, which is one of the most impressive things. Uh, that I think that he he was able to do on a regular basis, but yeah, it's it's heavy material there. So sometimes going back into that place must have been challenging. But I'm glad that we have this version again. If nothing else, it's to to provide people with access to a show you may not have been able to access previously whether you don't have the financial means there or if you're not in a city where it's available the touring companies are trying to go to as many you know cities as they can but they can't get everywhere and not everyone can afford to go to see a touring company or a broadway production so to have this story and this music preserved in a medium that's much more available to people, more readily available, I think it's all the better, especially for the musical theater type of community. If you can get more eyes to the community and what they do and get them interested maybe to try to see a show if they never had the interest before, I think that's great. Yeah, my whole thing is always accessibility. Right. And making these musicals more accessible and making them, yes, more mainstream by making them into movies, I think it's great. And they do the reverse of it all the time. I mean, they're always taking movies and adapting them to the stage. But right. I, I love when they do the reverse. I love when we get an opportunity to see whether it's a re-envisioning or an exact replica of what they did on stage. I just love just making it more accessible and more known to, to wide audiences. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't wait to see more coming out. Obviously, we have another one we're going to discuss. We have West Side Story coming out. Wicked, they're just starting to fill out all of the the cast on that, so there's more to come. Yeah, so let's talk about the next one, Mark, and that one is Tick, Tick, Boom, which is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, a name we've talked about already earlier. This just came out several weeks ago on Netflix streaming, and Mark, first question for you. 
do you have any experience with this musical previously? I had been familiar with maybe one song from this musical. So as a fan of Rent, obviously you dive into the other work of Jonathan Larson, who passed away so tragically at such a young age. So I did like just a dive into some of his other material and things that hadn't come to fruition and curiosities about his life. And then I saw the trailer that this movie was coming out for Tick, Tick, Boom, and I was excited to see how they were going to to translate that into a film because tick tick boom like it started as a one-man show that jonathan larson was doing with his frustration with how his musical didn't get financed and then he ended up doing rent instead but then after his death they turned it into an off-broadway production into like a three-person right a three-person performance so i didn't know how it was going to translate to film and then I saw that there were much more than three people in it, and I was interested. And then I saw, obviously, Lin-Manuel Miranda was behind it, so I got more excited for that because he's someone that's very much deep in the musical theater scene. He has a love for the subjects of this particular you know, piece, right? Uh, Jonathan Larson was a large influence on his work. Stephen Sondheim, the late, great Stephen Sondheim. So I was interested to see how he was going to kind of make it coherent and then i was also interested to see is like can andrew garfield sing can he sing at all and turns out he can sing so just add it to the list of of things that andrew garfield can do but this movie i didn't have super high expectations for not to say that i didn't think it was going to be good i just didn't know what to expect and kind of tying back to what I was talking about with with the Beatles get back is it's like an interesting perspective to see what the creative process can be like for these people that come out with just incredible generational types of works and you just see oh they struggle the same way that other people that are trying to write things and create things struggle and sometimes I think we forget that but having something like this even though this is a dramatic recreation the the beatles documentary is like just captured footage it's the same you you're, you don't think that these people that come up with these brilliant pieces of work would struggle but they do yeah so much great stuff to unpack that you said mark and for me i like you knew some of the music just by being that this was music by jonathan larson who you know, right. obviously infamous from for rent i had dug kind of a a, a hole learning more about his music and also mm -hmm. just my theater interest had brought me through some of these some of the music as well but i never had seen the show and as you said it's it's been known to be like a three person type show so right. i was curious how it would be done i saw the attachment of andrew garfield a year or so ago i saw that lynn manuel was going to direct it and that gave me a lot of faith because if you look at what he's touched in the last few years it really seems like he has a good hand like you said on on what people want to watch in story and music and what's what's current what works and from in the heights and and then obviously hamilton which is a phenomenon and then his creative musical influence on moana which was a big success right. his music there the guy just seems to everything's gold that he touches currently and i'll tell you this is nothing different i really think that i had very little expectation being that i had very little knowledge about the story in the show and it blew me away. I had no expectation of Andrew Garfield being anything impressive. And I think this is an award-winning performance that he gives here. And musically, acting, 
I don't know much about Jonathan Larson as a person, but I feel like you get an idea of what he was like. And then also, not knowing the Tick, Tick, Boom music all that well and knowing Rent extremely well, kind of like how you said before with In the Heights and Hamilton, you see so much of the bones here of what became Rent, become the music juggernaut of Rent. Everyone knows all those songs. And here, you know a few of them, but you, you hear little things here and there in songs that end up being you know smash hits in in the show rent yeah definitely i think one of the criticisms that i have of the show and i've seen some of the uh, critics have, have had and there hasn't been much would be that the songs feel very renty right that's that's the way that they they describe it. they're like oh they feel like unfinished versions of songs from rent i'm like that's that's exactly what they are my the, the criticism that i have is different is that like the music doesn't what like wow me right like if we're talking about the two other movies we've we've been discussing like in the heights you have those big numbers you have breathe is a phenomenal number there's so many great numbers in both that and dear evan hansen because they're much more polished musicals that the music in this even like the the big number like louder than words didn't feel as big as like it should have and like you want it to be some of the lyric lyrics are okay but that didn't take away from my enjoyment of the film or how great the performances were of those songs you have great talent aside from andrew garfield you have joshua henry who is such a phenomenal singer you have vanessa hudgens who has been this is like old hat for her at this point, being in so many different musicals. And I thought Alexandra Shipp's her voice was actually surprisingly good in her big number towards the end. And anytime you get a chance to have like Robin DeJesus just back on a screen or on a stage working with Lin Manuel, because he was like the original Sonny in In the Heights on Broadway. So he was also, I believe, Angel as Re- in Rent, correct? Right, that's right, he was. Yeah, so everything's tying together so beautifully <laughs> right now. Yeah, I I just I didn't expect to be struck emotionally as much within this film as I was. Uh, there are a lot of moments that were like had me welling up or or like straightened tears. Partic- and that's really to speak to the the strength of the performances both by Andrew Garfield and the uh, previously mentioned Robin DeJesus. Their their relationship and and that reveal of of his character being HIV positive was so crushing emotionally because you can see how it affected Jonathan Larson within the story, right? It, it was just so well acted by the two of them there. They did such a great job. The screenplay for this was actually done by Stephen Levinson who wrote Dear Evan Hansen and did the adapted screenplay for that. So there's, again, more connections here, but I think they did a great job adapting this into a film filling in around around the places where the original musical had went with additional beats on his life there you have the phenomenal sunday sunday at the diner number with so much broadway royalty that it's a little alarming yeah it's it's just it was a great watch i felt like it's it's super worthwhile for anyone to check out because if it's on netflix right so basically everyone you know has a netflix subscription so take a couple hours out and and check it out there yeah i agree with you mark you hit something that i think was was pretty profound in that there's an inconsistency and a rawness to the music and dialogue where i felt like there's a couple of hits but there's also some real stinkers too and the first time or second time you watch you, you go through it you kind of 
you kind of feel that as you go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of its charm. I think they did right. They did a big, a larger amount of adapting here than they had to with the other two movies we discussed. Those were more almost one-to-one. They modified small things. Right. This was probably the biggest modification, the biggest changes to the screenplay and the way it's told and the, the cast, the ensemble that they add to it. But right. I think it all makes the show and the musical better. And they added a lot of harmonies. They changed a lot of the music, which also made it feel fuller and better. The, the big, big number of the, show, of the show, of the movie, that they talk about because he's trying to think it up is, is come to your senses. And that number is usually sung by one woman. And here they have Vanessa Hudgens singing with Alexander Ship, And it becomes this duet. And their mm-hmm. harmonies are, are gorgeous. I think it's now the best way to hear the song. And it's probably the most well-known song of the show, I would right. say. And there's a couple other numbers like that I think are enhanced by this movie. They're made better. And that's probably having Lin-Manuel's pause on it. That can He can he probably has an ear for these type of things. I think Johnny Can't Decide, which is another sort of a well-known. It's one of the smaller numbers, but it's well-known. I think right. they just did some things to just change the music just to just make it more full make it more fun even the opening number the birthday number again it's Mm -hmm. just it's it just seemed like a lot of fun and there's definitely like you said some really strong emotional beats i definitely was tearing up from time to time in this this movie and i think there is a rawness i think there is some stuff that's still rough and i think there's some stuff that doesn't necessarily work Mm -hmm. but i think it's that rawness that makes this i think more of a award-winning show or movie than the two we talked about. I think this come award season, because of its rawness and because it's a little rougher and things don't always have the, the polish and the, the special effects that I think it will be noticed come award season. Yeah, I definitely think Andrew Garfield is in contention for uh, reward, reward, award nominations as a result of the performance. His performance is extremely good. You always knew he could do it as an actor. If if you haven't already known that from his performances on screen, he also did like Angels in America, which is a marathon type of performance. He did that on stage and I was like fortunate enough to see that and he was phenomenal in that. And you can see that type of performativity like translating over to this role in particular where he can just convey being completely emotionally devastated in just a look, right? I was talking about it previously with Wenwu from Shang-Chi, how he does like a lot with his eyes. Andrew Garfield does a lot with his eyes in a a few of the big reveals into his life as Jonathan Larson uh, throughout the beats of this movie that like you just can't, you can't teach. Like you can try to, there are lots of different techniques, but you either have that access to be able to do that or you don't and i think like the thing that was great about the movies that we talked about is that you had three actors that are able to access that like you have him ben platt and anthony ramos during like the big beats in 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 the heights all three of these these actors could just really say so much without even saying anything and then on top of that they can act the shit out of dialogue and sing well it's kind of unfair I'm going to add to that. I'm going to share a short story. So after sure. I watched Tick, Tick, Boom, I did a deep dive. I started going on the internet, seeing how accurate some of this was, seeing the information right. by Jonathan Larson, because it had been some time since I had researched his life. And I started reading about Andrew Garfield and how he got involved in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. And like you said, he was on a play on Broadway and there was no singing involved. And right. Lin, Lin-Manuel actually went to see it. And this is before there was any casting or any talk of Tick, Tick, Boom, who still Lin-Manuel was wanted to do this movie adaptation. And he had a mutual friend and he asked his mutual friend, he says, I thought Andrew Garfield was spectacular. He says, um, yeah, I'd like to talk to him about project I'm working on. So he gives him his mutual information and, and, and his mutual friend calls, calls Andrew up right away. He says, Andrew, you know, I just got the phone with Lin-Manuel Miranda. He goes, Andrew's like, you're kidding me. He's like, yeah, he wants you for the leading role in Tick, Tick, Boom. He wants to sit down and talk to you. He wanted to know if you could sing. And Andrew Garfield goes, well, what'd you tell him? He goes, of course I told him you could sing. And Andrew Garfield says, <laughs> I've never sang in my life. <laughs> <laughs> So he said he actually had no singing training in his life and he's right. you know, sung with his radio and sung in the shower like we all do, but he's never had any professional training. He's never done any like deep, deep, heavy musical theater. Right. And he basically trained for a year for this role. And you wouldn't know. I mean, the, right. the vocals, I think, are spectacular. Yeah, his vocals are very good. So I'll, this is where I'll be like slightly nitpicky. Versus versus most other people, and it's not. I don't think as much of a criticism, but it's noticing things, right? So with like the opening number from the movie, which you saw, which you heard in the trailer, thirty ninety, he's in such a great spot with his voice. His voice sounds great. It's like a, a perfect chest voice. Sounds well rounded. Sounds balanced. Everything sounds good about it. And it doesn't sound like they had to do too much pitch correction either. It sounds like he was just there, like. Uh, musically you refer to like in, even from instrumental or vocal side of things as being like in the pocket right like in that comfortable spot where you're right exactly just in in your comfort zone i think they did a great job with his voice in particular finding like just a good spot in each of his big numbers where he could like kind of sit in this particular pocket there was one number which name is escaping me where he ends up on the piano where he goes out of his out of that like pocket for a little bit, I'm like, eh, it's a little gamey. But for the most part, I think for someone that had no professional musical experience there, no vocal training, he does such a phenomenal job. And again, I apparently can't take uh, any opportunity to bash Russell Crowe without taking it. I have to take it each time. You have two people that got vocal training specifically for a role and were cast before really having that training done. You have Andrew Garfield and Tick, Tick, Boom. And on the other hand, you have Russell Crowe and Les Mis. Two people that both had the same type of approach to something with wildly different results. Well, I'm sure you had with Andrew Garfield a man who was willing to take notes, a man that was willing to do multiple takes if he was told it wasn't good enough. And I'm sure Russell Crowe was giving whatever take he wanted to and Mm -hmm. was taking very few notes or advice. So... Uh, these are two very different actors, and I agree with you. I mean, we can be harsh on Andrew Garfield in certain moments. I, I do think trained ears can hear that. Right. But we're also comparing him to Ben Platt, which is one of the great voices of, 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 of Broadway. We're comparing right. him to some of the actors from In the Heights, which a lot of them have Broadway musical training as well. So it's it's a little unfair but i agree with you right. when you're when you're leading in a broadway a musical that's adapted for a movie 
you're gonna have to re- receive some ju- judgment and russell crowe and pierce brosnan we're looking at you <laughs> right exactly Th- those are that was the other one i was thinking of when you mentioned mama via before yeah because like even if you talk about the role itself there for people that were familiar with the the material beforehand like it had been performed off broadway originally by i think it was raul esparza who is like a legend and a phenomenal talent so he really had to do the work necessary when you're taking on a role like this to have that come out right and to his credit he did and also to the credit of the people that were working with him both from lynn manuel and whoever was working the soundtrack they found a way to kind of keep him in a spot that's going to make his voice sound as good as possible and that's really what you're supposed to be doing that's the collaborative type of effort there is that the the actor has to put in the work there and they have to be able to sing hit specific notes but if there are notes that they struggle with or anything like that it's the job of then the director and the musical arrangement to make that make it work around the actor that you have there and in this case for Tick Tick Boom again versus what happened with Lame Is, to their credit, they they nail it. Again, these are these are there are a few standout numbers. For the most part, there's a bunch of forgettable numbers, and I don't think it detracted from the experience of the movie at all. The movie is that strong, and the acting is that strong that the the music being okay to good, I guess, takes nothing away from the movie. It's still so good that I have immediately recommended it to everyone I know, musical theater fans, film fans, Andrew Garfield fans that like want to not focus on Spider-Man for a little bit. So like that's a credit to the filmmaker, the actors, everyone did a great job. Yeah, I think it's a powerful movie outside of any critiques you might have. And I agree with you. Sometimes I think you can hide a bad voice in a movie but I think what, what your surrounding company is, like going back to Les Mis, when you right. have Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway and some really strong voices around you, well, if you're not living up to par with some of these other actors, you're gonna stick out like a sore thumb. Right. And I think in Mamma Mia, Pierce Brosnan's not great, but the other two male singers of the trio aren't spectacular either. They can at least carry a tune. Right. But they're not anything, they're not Ben Platt, they're not Hugh Jackman. So. Mm-hmm. When I watched this, like you said, Alexander Ship, Vanessa Hudgens, they they do a very good job, and Andrew Garfield also a very competent job. And like you said, there are, I think, some moments where people with a with a stronger ear would, would say, "Oh, it's not the best," but I think he makes up for it. And that, I think, he gives an acting performance here that is absolutely phenomenal. Like you said, sometimes the things he, just facial expressions, body, his mannerisms, his his physical acting, it's all really good. And I I think it's his best performance to date. And I've seen him in some great, outside of being a Marvel superhero, he's he's done some great acting in his career, and this could be his best yet. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I agree with you. He does great work. And you can tell it's something that he cared about, right? You take the care and the time to put that much effort into learning how to sing you you try to dive into his life and his stories and stories of people that were close to him that that translates in 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 your performance when you have that type of talent and it really does show that he cared and put in the time and effort to really kind of nail this portrayal yeah i agree with you so i do recommend this movie heavily for like you said if you're an andrew garfield fan or if you're just a fan of just 
a good movie that's on Netflix that happens to be a musical as well. Mark, I'm going to hit you with something right on the spot here. If you had to rank these three for you personally, your personal enjoyment, would you be able to do that? Uh, there's no way. Like the, the problem is that I'm so biased <laughs> that the the order is going to kind of come out as as I think the bias kind of shows. So we're going to go. Dear Evan Hansen still won despite the there there are issues with the film that I can acknowledge, but I can't get I can't quit it. Two would be in the heights, and really close third would be uh, Tick Tick Boom. Tick Tick Boom has better performances. The acting is better. And it may even hit me more emotionally, but the music is just so good in In the Heights. And the big numbers just... For 96,000 alone, it has to be, like, over Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah, I'm coming from a different place because I don't have the bias and the information, you know, as far as the knowledge of the, the musical itself of Dear Evan Hansen. For me, it's a very close neck and neck between In the Heights and Tick, Tick, Boom, which... They're very different where they're trying to, even though they're both musicals. Oh, yeah, they're wildly different experiences. They're wildly different. I mean, while there is some emotion in the heights, it's it's not as tragic. It's not as, as heartbreaking as the other two films. So if you're looking for something a little fluffier, easier to watch, I would say that probably is in the heights, which is more uh, dreaming. A lot of the characters are dreaming of different things they're going to do in their life and dreaming of whether it's romance, careers, prosperity, different things. It's a hopeful movie. Oh, you know that that's that's definitely the the theme of the movie is just dreams. Exactly. So there's something light and fluffy about that, but I still think the performances, uh, the way it's done, it, it's it's just a good anytime turn on type movie, and the right. music is probably more consistently solid. But it's just if I'm just like from a what's the better movie, what's the best performances, what's the if the Academy was involved, I would say Tick Tick Boom is probably my number one as far as the strength of some of the storytelling, the actors, the performances. I think that's just, it blew me away how good it was. So that'd be my 1A, uh, mm-hmm. 1B probably in the Heights. And Dear Evan Hansen, it, listen, I, I loved it. I really enjoyed watching it, but maybe it just says more about the other two, how much I enjoyed right. them. That The other one, I would say it's a two. I wouldn't even put it at three, Dear Evan Hansen. It's just, I think it's a really good year to be a fan of movie musicals. And I'm right. really excited for what, you know, we still have West Side Story, which, I'm reading reviews of like nine out of tens and ten out right. of tens saying this is yeah, Spielberg's early his come, masterpiece. Yeah, early early reviews have been very good, so I think it, we have reason to to be positive heading into it instead of being like cautiously optimistic. I think we could just be optimistic heading into it. There for for fans of musicals also uh, that have Apple TV, they have a performance of Come From Away that's on there. It doesn't really fit into what we were doing since it's not a movie adaptation. It's just a filmed stage performance, and that is just also another phenomenal watch as well. So again, fans of mu- uh, musicals, it's been a, a real good year. Yeah, you know, we've had a few of those too in the last say five six years where we had i believe the sound of music was a live on stage with like there was the carrie underwood that was critically right. uh, ripped apart you had the hairspray you had the grease you had rocky right. horror there's been a few now right. i think on abc the nbc rent debacle fox yeah the rent one as well jesus christ superstar there's definitely right, been a good. number of them now that yeah. we've been privileged to, to to watch i think it's something special to be able to watch mm-hmm live television you know these these performances so yeah it, the, 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 it's, I believe it's come from away correct right come from away and that one was with most of the original Broadway cast captured like straight in the middle of the pandemic and it, I think the audience 
was also a bunch of other people from not like 9-11 first responders families of the first responders and i think it was just like police and and firefighters from new york city so i think it it's a really great watch as well so for people that have apple tv and you're looking for something to watch that's another one you can toss into your queue well, one last one that we've discussed previously uh, on Netflix is Shrek the Musical, which That's right. is also a live performance of uh, Sutton Foster. It, it's really another great one. Even if you've seen the movie several times, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely got some differences, and the music is, I think it's stellar. I think it's a fun show. And just tying it all together, coming soon on Broadway is Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman in The Music Man. They're in rehearsals now. It looks fantastic. People in the New York area, you could start you know, checking that out soon, the Winter Garden Theater. So yeah, I, lots I of might, things to look forward to. I might or might not have secured tickets for that nice. uh, next next month in January. So uh, maybe go. I can give my uh, my input on that in a few months. Looking forward to it. So yeah, Mark, that was our conversation on some movie musicals that have we've been privileged to this year. It's been a good year, and uh, you know, we, we, again, we're off the our path, but we'll be back. Uh, with some Hall of Fame movies coming up soon. But I want to thank you, Mark, for joining me once again on our movie podcast here. Where can people out there find you? Uh, you can find me on social media at twitter.com or instagram.com uh, slash TV, and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ursusfidelis. Absolutely. So we are, this is our 45th episode. We've now talked about over 50 movies because in the beginning we were doing two per episode. So uh, please do check out our back catalog. There's a lot of great content there as we get closer to the holidays as you guys have time. Uh, scroll through, see what you might have watched and want to hear us talk about or maybe things you haven't seen and just want to hear about what makes these movies great. Me and Mark try to dive deep into what, what makes these movies uh, legendary. Yeah, we do love a deep dive. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. I'm Matt. That was Mark with me. And we will see you guys all next time. See you guys next time. From Mark and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame movie podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at the Hall of Fame Pod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.